Hey, well, good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you are joining us today. And uh, hey, uh, we are used to not having in-person services, so today is uh, a little easier for us. There's not a whole lot of technical things that we have to accomplish. Um, and I just want to say thank you to our band and our tech crew who showed up and our speaker who showed up. This, this would be a rough day without any of these guys. And then the rest of you, I hope you're enjoying the snowfall. Um, I want to begin uh, just talking about a passage of scripture that Jeffrey brought to us last week and will refer to again today. Uh, sometimes when you're watching online, I know that it could be real easy to, yeah, this is just not real church and, and you know, we'll watch some of it maybe. Uh, listen, God can speak in incredible ways even when we are not expecting it. And so I want you to just, with me, think through what God might want to say to you today, what he might want to change, what he might want to encourage you with, what he might want to give you a vision for or hope for. And so I want to read this out of Isaiah 43 because I think it's so powerful and something that we all need you know, God is telling uh, the prophet Isaiah and the people of Israel all of the great things that has happened in the past. But then he starts with this. He says, but forget all of that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? And I love these next two sentences. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So if you're in the wilderness, if you're in the desert, and you don't think there's a way out, I want you to know that God has already begun to make a way for you. And that's what today's all about. Our band's here. We're going to worship, and uh, I'll be back in just a few minutes.
Governments can lead, but they're not in charge. Businesses can own, but they are not in charge. You, oh Lord, you're in charge. You reign. And you reign in our hearts and our lives. You reign in every situation. Oh God, today I ask that your reigning power would greatly affect those today who need help from you. I, I just take a moment right now to pray for my dear friend Andrew Hart who's in a hospital in Schenectady, New York. Lord, I just pray that you would heal him, that you would keep him safe. 
I pray that you would protect him. Lord, the people of this church, Destiny Church, who who are struggling, the people of City Hills Church who may be watching today, that are going through difficult places, I pray that you would let them know that you are not missing in action. But all of the great things you've done before are just the beginning. Sometimes, Lord, we don't see it. We don't feel it. We don't have anything that indicates that you're there. And yet you are there. And we just place our trust in you today. Father, would you minister to us? Would you open our eyes so that we could see? Would you open our hearts that we could sense the love that you have to pour into us? Could you open our minds so that we could begin to think right thoughts? And, and, and Lord, that our feet would follow you. I pray that we would be just totally open to your presence right now. We love you so much. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, this morning, it was really a, a wonderful moment uh, <laughs> when I, I, got, I opened up my email and got an invitation to my uh, Alpha group. Pam and I are, have joined an Alpha group, and, uh, and we're not leading it, and that's a, that's a good thing. I, I'm excited about being in our Alpha group well, this Tuesday at 7 p.m. where our group meets. And if you have not signed up for Alpha let me just encourage you to do so. We are doing this as an entire church. I want everybody in our church to go through this course and begin to learn, uh, not just foundationally learn, which you will do uh, about God and the basis of discipleship, but also begin to understand what God is saying to us as a church as we move forward in trying to reach others for Christ. You know, this culture is so different Actually, it's kind of whacked out in, in so many ways, and yet God loves this world. He loves the people in this world. And as you know, I've, I've felt for a long time like the church is missing the mark in so many ways uh, in reaching the culture. And so Alpha gives us a great opportunity to rethink what we're doing with the message, the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. So uh, go to our website, sign up today, get in a group. It's not too late. We'd love to have you join us. Well, I am so excited to have Jeffrey uh, Goodman back with us today. Um, he, I asked him to speak one Sunday, and it was so good. And he, he uh, I, I just called him up this week, and I said, hey, um, you're signed up for, we'll let you know when you can quit. And so uh, if you were all here in the room, we'd say, let's give him a great hand, but Maybe just wave. He can't see you, but uh, just wave as he comes in. Hello, Jeffrey. God bless you. Thank you so much, Greg. And what an honor it is to be able to spend this Sunday once again with the incredible people of Destiny Church, albeit virtual, uh, virtually. But hey, the last year has taught us to get used to this type of thing. And although I prefer to be with you in person this morning, it's so great to be with you online and I want to honor your lead pastor Greg uh, and Pam and the incredible staff and team of Destiny Church that have led so well um, through this last year um, that has brought unique challenges to all of us and specifically to churches and 
Um, I know that they have been a source of inspiration and strength to me and to our church at City Hills. So it's just always an honor to be able to spend time with them. And thank you to the band, the worship team that just led us. Uh, in a moment of worship. I don't know what you were feeling at home as they were leading, but I can tell you in the house this morning, the presence of God was here, and they just ushered us into God's presence. And um, I, I want to honor them and thank them for being so sensitive to the Spirit of God. Hey, as Greg said at, in the opening today, last week I was with you, and I began talking from uh, a text in Isaiah, Isaiah the 43rd chapter, and if you weren't here or haven't been able to watch last week, I encourage you to do that um, at some point this week. It looks like we may have another snow day or two ahead of us, so maybe you can find some time, go and watch that, because a lot of what I'm going to say is springboarding off of the thoughts and the concepts I talked about last week. But just to briefly catch you up, in Isaiah 43, as Greg mentioned, uh, God spoke through a prophet named Isaiah to his people and it was in a time in which Israel had been 70 years in bondage to the Babylonians. They had been taken from their country, from their capital city of uh, Jerusalem. Uh, many of them were dispersed all throughout the Babylonian Empire. And for seven decades, they were forced to live as strangers in a strange land. And uh, they had lost their sense of identity as a people uh, they, they had lost their ability to worship uh, their God in their temple in Jerusalem. And uh, they, they did not even know when they were going to be able to come out of this. But God spoke to his people while they were still in bondage and said, Hey, remember all the good things I've done for you and your ancestors? He referenced how he had brought the Israelites out of 400 years of Egyptian bondage several generations back uh, under the leadership of Moses, tells them to remember all of the good things he had done for them. And then, as Greg read, he said, forget that. I'm about to do something new, and I'm going to do something greater for you than even your forefathers experienced. And we talked about the fact that God is always doing something new. He's got something new he wants to do for his people. The scripture tells us that God takes us from faith to faith and from glory to glory. In other words, when you connect and you get in a relationship with God and you connect with his purpose, not only for your life individually, but also you connect with his purpose that he is doing through his church in the world, then you've just linked your life to a process where God is continually creating and bringing us into new opportunities, into new realities, into new things. And it should be exciting to you to know that God is always moving us toward his purpose in our lives individually and then as a church collectively. He's doing something new. And the problem, though, is if we are not careful, here's the challenge. He goes on to say, I'm doing something new. Um, I've already begun it. And he asks a rhetorical question, have you not seen it or can you not see it? And therein lies the problem. That many times God is at work even when it doesn't look like he's working. Because I love the fact that he lets us in on this, his word to Israel during this time. He says, I've already begun to work. Now, they were still in bondage. 
They were 70 years in. And it did not look like God was working. As a matter of fact, the longer they stayed in bondage, um, the more hopeless it seemed for his people. And the more and more it seemed like he's on a long extended vacation somewhere and is not interested in getting off the beach and coming back into where they are, right? Um, but, but God says, no, 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 I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm, I've already been at work. I just need you to have the spiritual discernment enough to see it. And herein lies the challenge for you and I. And what I want to really focus in on here for the purpose of these next few minutes we have together is the ability to see God at work in the present moment. Because if we're not careful the way that we're naturally geared and wired, we always either do one of two things. We'll refer back to some sort of nostalgic past in which we think that we had it better than where we're at right now. Or we will look to the future and think that our happiness, that our joy, that our fulfillment, that our peace that we so desperately long for is somewhere out in the future that we just haven't arrived to yet. And we live our lives locked in this trap of living it in the past or in the future. God's people did this all the time. They would refer back, particularly in this context of Isaiah, they would often refer back to when they were a people in Jerusalem with the temple and everything was great and everything was awesome. Or they would look out into the future, maybe someday we'll be able to be happy. Maybe someday we'll be able to get peace and joy. And actually, I don't have time to read into all the context, but you can look, and God sent prophets, even during this time when they were in Babylon, uh, through uh, Jeremiah was another one of them. God spoke to him and says, hey, while you're in Babylon, build houses and, and, and plant vineyards and have families. Why? Because I'm working in the present. Even when you're in a strange land, even when it looks like that you're in bondage, I'm still at work. And through Isaiah, he's saying, I need you to see this. Don't lose hope and don't allow yourself to be pulled into the past or pulled into the future thinking that somehow happiness and joy can only be attained there. I want you to understand that I have a purpose and a plan that is designed for this moment right where you are. And this is the reason why I'm setting this up for us today in this manner is because I believe that many of us, we just walked through one of the more, more difficult years of our lives in 2020 and, and, and we went through the whole of 2020, if, if you're like me, either reverting back to our past, wow, 2019 was great, wasn't it? Like we could go, you know, on a vacation maybe, or, or we could go to a restaurant without masks, or we didn't have to think about, you know, all of the things, and, 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 and small businesses weren't you know, fighting for their lives and the economy was, was, was booming and growing and, and now this last year has been horrible and we think it was better in the past. Or if you're like me and most of us, we've been talking about all through 2020, we were like, if we can just get to 2021, if we can just get out of 2020, then we can get happy again. I mean, how many times did you say that, think that, or hear somebody else say it last year? If I can just get into 2021, and then we 
crossed over into 2021, we flipped the calendar, and we weren't just a few days in, and we realized it's just as bad this year as it was last year, right? There wasn't much more hope we found like once we got into 2021. And if we're not careful, we can waste our present and we can waste the moment thinking that God will move in the future. Thinking that I will find peace in the future or maybe I experienced it in the past and I'll never have that again. But I want to come to you today and challenge you to not miss what God is doing today. Don't miss what God is doing in this moment. I know even for churches and Destiny Church, City Hills alike, 2020, we had to change everything and churches had to shut down their in-person gatherings. We went online and I know it's been a different way of doing church and for some people, they love it. Other people, the majority of people, maybe they don't like it and, and, and there's even been a lot of shifting and trying to find something that I can go to church in and, and feel like the old days and believe you me, we're going to get together again. That's coming. It's 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 going to happen. We're going to be able to get back uh, under the same roof in the same room and experience the presence of God in corporate worship. There's nothing like that. But can I tell you, even though many of us want to get back there, I believe with all my heart God has been at work. And if we're not careful, we will miss what God is doing in this season, in our churches and in our individual lives because we're nostalgically longing for a past or we're hopefully longing for a future that hasn't got here yet. And God is always saying, I'm doing something right now. Don't miss it. Don't miss what God is doing in the moment. Because I want to tell you here this morning, there's power in the present. I know it feels different, looks different, sounds different right now in a lot of ways in our lives, in our families, in our churches. But can I tell you, I believe God has been at work the whole time. Just like he said through Isaiah, I've already been at work. I just need you to see it. I just need a people that's willing to follow. I just need a people that's not willing to waste their time nostalgically longing for the way things used to be and wanting to get back to that because I moved on from that. God said, I'm not going back to that. I'm moving you from here to the next. And I know what I did in the past was great, but what I've got in store for you, your life, your family... What I've got in store for the church is much better than what you've left. I know you think it was great, but I'm taking you to this place that is so much better, where you're more effective, where you reach more people, where you've got more joy, where you've got more fulfillment. I need you to see that, people of God. I need you to trust and believe that I am at work in all of this. I know you're still in bondage and you haven't got your full freedom yet, but you need to trust that I'm going to get you there in my time. But in the meantime, understand, I'm not waiting until I free you to work. I'm working even in your bondage, even when things feel strange, even when things feel out of sync, even when it doesn't look like I'm working. I am working in your life. God is at work. And so I want to take us to a place of Scripture, and I'm going to have to hurry because I don't want to take long, and I'm going to do the cardinal sin of preaching. 
I'm going to read a very long text. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a warning. You know, they teach in preaching school, don't read too, too long of a text because, you know, people's mind wonder. But I'm going to ask you to engage with me over these next 10 to 15 minutes as I take us through this text in John, the 11th chapter, a scene in Jesus' ministry that illustrates perfectly this idea and this thought that I've been talking about thus far. It's in John 11. If you know anything about Scripture, it's one of the more famous miracles that Jesus performs in his ministry. He's got some dear, dear friends in his life that are siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're brothers and sisters, and they have partnered with Jesus in his ministry. Um, They've treated him like family. They're dear friends of his, and um, they have this incredibly close relationship. But tragedy strikes in Mary and Martha and Lazarus' family. And it's important for us to see how Jesus handles that because I believe many times this is how God works in our own lives and it's a clue in how we should conduct ourselves as we're walking through uncertain times when it doesn't look like Jesus is at work. I'm going to start reading in John 11. says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So watch this next sentence. I love it. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. That is one of the linchpin key verses of this entire text. Because it shows us how God works. And if we will embrace it, it will save us a lot of questioning and heartache sometimes. Because you have this guy, Lazarus, who's sick. Mary and Martha sends word to Jesus because evidently this sickness was so bad they knew that if something didn't happen, if there wasn't a miracle, he was going to lose his life. He was going to die. And they knew that Jesus was extremely close to them. They had this relationship. And he had been healing everybody else. He had been healing perfect and complete strangers He had been touching their life. And so they knew if we can just get word to Jesus, he's going to come here. He's going to pray a prayer of faith. Lazarus is going to be fine and everything's going to be okay. It's especially important in this particular context and culture because Lazarus seems to be the only male in their household. And so um, according to, to Mary and Martha, like when, when, when you lost the, the, the bread provider in the house in this culture, this could have sent you uh, into a very unknown future. So this was real deal for them. And so they send word to Jesus. Jesus gets this word, a guy you love, have relationship with, is sick unto death. We need you to come. And the Bible says Jesus doesn't go immediately. He actually waits two days. Now, we would tend to think, well, if Jesus loves them like he says he loves them, he would leave immediately. But I love that John in this text says, although he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he still stayed. I want to tell somebody here today that just because God doesn't move when and how we think he should move in our life and for us doesn't mean he doesn't love us. 
Just because God doesn't respond and react and bring things to pass in our life on our timeline and when we think it should happen and how and the manner we think it should happen doesn't mean God loves us. And that's the way we interpret it many times. I, I don't know how many times I've had to fight back thoughts and, and even question uh, in conversations with my life, does God even really know I'm here? Does God know where we're at? Does God even care that we're going through this? We all have felt that way at one time or another in our lives because on the other side, Mary and Martha, I'm sure they're questioning, I thought he loved us. He didn't come immediately. I thought surely he would because he's healing everybody else. Why wouldn't he come to where we are? But, but just because God doesn't move on our timetable doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. He still loves us, and he's got a plan and a purpose for our life. And I want to tell you, if you're experiencing pain or uncertainty in your life here today, right now, it doesn't mean that God does not love you or that he's checked out of your life. No, he is at work, Isaiah said. You just have to perceive and see it even when the circumstance doesn't show it. So he waits, and then the scripture goes on and says, Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. That's a good thing, right? He's getting rest finally. And they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus had meant that Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. I don't have time to preach everything in this text. I wish I did, but isn't that amazing that sometimes God will allow something to happen to us because he knows there's somebody in close proximity to us that he needs them to see working in our life so he can encourage them? He says, I'm glad for your sake because I'm about to do something in Lazarus' life that's going to impact your life. Hey, what you're going through right now, God's teaching you something, but don't ever negate the fact that God not only is moving in your life, but there's somebody connected to you that God is wanting to minister to. God's never going to waste something. And not only is he going to do something in your life, but he's going to use it to minister to other people if you trust him. And so he goes on. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. And when Martha got word what G, that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, watch what she says, if only you had been here, this is the propensity for all of us, we're either going back to a nostalgic past or we're going to project ourselves into a hopeful future. Lord, if you had only been here in the past, I know if you would have come back then, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Watch how she responds. Yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Mary is living in the past for what she hoped would have happened, and she's living in the future for what she has faith that will happen, but she has no faith for the present. She's not allowing God to move in her moment, but watch what Jesus says. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone that believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of the God, and the one who has come into the world from God. Watch what transpires in this moment. John shows us in this text that, that Martha had hope, and she had faith that God would have moved in the past when circumstances were a little bit more favorable 
when Lazarus is at least still alive. If you would have been here then, he wouldn't have died. And she's got hope for the future and the future resurrection. She's like, I know he will rise again at the last day when all in Christ rise. But she has no faith for the present. And Jesus is standing in the moment. He said, Mary, you have faith that I have power in the past. And you have faith that I have power in the future. But what you fail to realize is that I'm standing here in your moment, in your present. I'm standing here even when you feel like it's hopeless. And I have the ability and I have the power. I am already at work. I know it looks like that I'm not at work because he's dead. And I know that you don't think I'm going to work until sometime in the future. But I'm here and I've been working and I am working and I will work. I I am the resurrection, not I was the resurrection way back before he breathed his last breath, and not I will be the resurrection when I get ready to raise all that are dead in Christ up, but I am in the present, in the moment, in your heartache, through your tears, in your pain, I am the resurrection right now. Come on, somebody, I want to challenge you. What happiness have you, have you given up on in your present? What, what, what hope have you given up on right now today? I, some of us are sitting here and we think that we're not going to be able to find joy, fulfillment, and peace until we get through this pandemic. Some of us are sitting here and we, we think that we'll never be as joyful, we'll never have as much peace, we'll never have as much hope as we did in the past or until we get on the other side of a disease or until we get on the other side of some financial difficulty. And I'm not negating the seriousness of all that. We've all walked through those times and experienced the pressure and the pain. But what I'm saying is... Don't allow the enemy and don't allow your emotions to pull you out into the future or back into the past thinking that that's the only time God can move. No, God is in your present, even in your crying, even in your pain, even in your questions. God is here at work right now. Can you see it, Martha? Can you see it, Israel? Can you see it, Destiny Church? I know everywhere you look, you may feel like there's questions and heartache and pain. And everywhere you look, it looks like, I don't know that we'll ever get back to the way things were. And I don't know if we'll ever get back to some sense of normalcy or happiness. But can you see with me that even in the middle of a heartache, even in the middle of uncertainty, God is here in the moment, in the present, and He is working. God's working. God's working. So watch what Martha does. She returns to Mary, calls Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately goes to him, the scripture says, and Jesus stayed outside the village at a place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus she fell at his feet and said, Lord, same thing that Martha said. If you had only been here, she's living in the past here. My brother would not have died, had hope for the past. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. A deep anger wells up in Jesus. And the Bible says that he was deeply troubled it bothered Jesus I think in this moment then he realized that no one here has faith for the moment 
Everyone is focused either on the past, the way things could have been, or they're focused on the future, the way that they hope they will be at some moment. And no one's realizing that, hey, my power and my presence is here in the moment. And can I tell you, sometimes it's very difficult when we go through stuff, when you're standing at the tomb, when you're standing in a graveyard, it's hard to imagine that God is there. But that's why he says, I need you to see differently than everybody else sees. I know we're standing at the tomb. I know we're standing in a graveyard. I know he's been there four days, Mary and Martha. But I need you to see that I am the resurrection. I am here in this moment. You don't have to hope that I'm going to come get Lazarus out of this grave at some point in the distant future. I'm here right now if you can just see it. And I want to tell somebody in this place today. I want to tell somebody watching online in your living room, at your kitchen table, wherever you may be today, that a tomb in the moment doesn't diminish God's presence or his power in that moment. And some of us may be feeling like we're standing staring at tombs in our lives. We're standing at tomb and we're standing in the middle of graveyards of past hopes and past dreams that we feel like we've buried that will never be, that will never exist. But can I tell you in this moment for today that God has not left. He is here. He is standing there at the tomb, at the graveyard, the very place that you buried that hope, the very place that you buried that dream the very place that you took the way you thought your life was going to turn out and put it under the ground and thought it's over now, it's hopeless. God is there even though you're at a grave tomb. That doesn't mean that God's presence isn't there. He's there in the moment. And so watch what he does as we close today. He looks at them and says, where have you put him? They said, come and see. The Bible says Jesus wept. People were standing nearby, said how much he lo- see how much he loved them. And some said, this man, he healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Everybody's expecting God to move for everyone exactly the same way. And they're confused. And, and Jesus was still angry as he's arriving at the tomb because of all the unbelief in a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. And roll the stone aside, Jesus tells them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been here four days. The smell's going to be terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside, and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And watch what Jesus does. He shouts, Lazarus come out and the dead man came out his hands and feet bound in grave clothes his face wrapped in a head cloth and Jesus told them unwrap him and let him go and Jesus in that moment taught Mary and Martha and everyone gathered in that graveyard that day And some 2,000 years later, he's speaking to you and me. He's speaking to our lives. He's speaking to our churches. And he's saying, I know even when you're standing in Babylon and you're slaves, or where you're standing in graveyards where the bones of people and things and dreams that you loved, that you've buried, and you thought they would never live again, but I am in the moment. And 
I know you think there's a lot of stink. I love, I love they said, Jesus, we don't want, he's stinking now. Like he's been in there long enough. But I want to tell somebody, you may have some stink in your life right now. You may have things that haven't worked out the way you thought that it would work out. You may have a lot of problems and issues that have come on you in the last year or the last month or the last week or even the last day, whatever it is. And there's a lot of stink in your life. But can I tell you that the stink in your life cannot stop God from moving in the moment. I want to encourage somebody today, don't live your life trapped in a nostalgic past or enslaved to a hopeful future thinking that someday you'll be happy. Can I tell you that the moment is all we have. The present is all you don't have tomorrow. The Bible says that no man is promised tomorrow. All we've got is today. And we as the people of God need to understand that we have to get a different set of eyes. And we need to live in the moment. I'm not saying you don't have plans. I'm not saying you don't plan for the future and you have hope for the future and dreams for the future. That's not all I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you can't be enslaved and think that your happiness, your peace, and all of that is somewhere out ahead of you once some situation gets worked out in your life. No, God said, I am a very present help in the time of trouble, not when the trouble's over, not when I get you through the trouble, not I'm a future help. I am a present help in your trouble. That means even in a graveyard and even when things are going crazy, you can have peace today. You can have joy today. You can find happiness today. You don't have to relegate it to the past or send it into the future. But God says, I'm walking in today and proving to you that even in the middle of Babylon in a graveyard, I am here and I am at work. If you will just see it with me. I'm going to close with this verse of scripture. I love it in Psalm 118. 24, if you joined us in 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'd love a devotional from this verse. But I love it, and I think it just sums it up so well for us. Where the psalmist writes, he says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Watch how he's speaking. I'm going to tell you one of the keys to you living a life filled with joy and peace in your own personal life, in your home, in your family, is when you understand that I've got to live today. I can't wait until tomorrow to live. I can't wait until next week to live. I can't think that my past was better than my future. All I've got to work with is today. Let me tell you, the only time you can impact your children is today. You can't impact them next week. Because you don't have next week. All any of us have is today. And the psalmist said, today, this is the day that the Lord has made. And so what will we do? We will rejoice in this day and we will be glad. It is the decision. It's a conscious decision. It's not based on my feelings. It's not based on my circumstances. It is a decision we will rejoice and be glad in the day 
in the moment, in the present, not because of the day. And that's where many of us get confused and mistaken, and it sets us up for living a life lesser than what God intended for us to live because we want to rejoice because of the day. Well, we had a good day, so we will rejoice. No, 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 no. The psalmist said, no, whatever day I'm in, in the moment, I will choose to rejoice. Doesn't mean I don't hurt. Doesn't mean I don't have questions. Doesn't mean that I wish my life may be different than what it is right now. But my rejoicing is not because of my circumstance. My rejoicing, my faith is because I have a God that is a very present. He's in the moment. Even though the, the, the Bible says, David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. Thou art there. God's not waiting till you get to the other side of the valley. God's not waiting on the mountaintop and said, well, just get through the mess and I'll meet you on the top and then we can rejoice. No, David said, this is what I've learned. I've learned. This is why I can rejoice. Same God that penned Psalm 118. I can rejoice in the day. Why? Because even though I'm in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me in the darkness, in the valley, before my enemies you are there, and so I will rejoice. I will find my peace today, not tomorrow, today. So my prayer for you and for all of us is let's be people of God that are unshakable. I love that verse, that, that passage in the New Testament where the apostolic writer writes to the church and he says, be steadfast, unmovable, unshakable, always abounding in the love of God. Always, not when things are good. He says, how can you be steadfast, unshakable? He's writing to a church that's in persecution. He's writing to a people that just because they named Jesus as their Lord could lose their head the next day under severe persecution. And he says, be steadfast, unmovable, unshakable, always abounding in the work of God. How can you do that? Because I realize I serve a God that's not imprisoned or relegated to a future that's in theory that doesn't even exist or to a past. But we serve a God that is a very present help in the time of trouble. And so right where you are in that living room, in that kitchen, wherever you are right now, I want you to close your eyes with me. And I want you to get your faith back for the moment. Some of us have been very good at having faith for the future when we get on the other side of our stuff. But I believe God is saying to his people today, hey, I know it's weird. I know that you're out of sync. I know that you've come through a difficult year. I know you've got questions. I know there's a lot of uncertainty in the future. But I am here to remind you that I've never left you. And I have been working and I will continue to work. And if you want peace, you can have it today. You don't have to wait till next week. You can have it right now. I can move in your life right now if you will let me. Can you not see it? He asks. So I'm going to pray for us in this closing moment. Right now, God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see. Help us to see that you are at work. Help us to know that even though we're standing in a graveyard, some of us, full of bones of past dreams 
the way we thought our life would turn out, the way we thought our family would turn out. God, standing in the middle of our mess, standing in the middle of a place we never envisioned ourselves, walking as David did through the valley of the shadow of death, I pray that we would have eyes that are open to see that even though we may be in that place today, like David said, thou art with me. You are there. And your rod and your staff comfort. Even though I'm here, I don't have to wait till the future to get comfort. I don't have to wait to some distant future to get peace and joy. But I choose to rejoice in this day. For it is the day that you have made. And if you made it, you're in the middle of it. And you can work however you want to work. In Jesus' name.